Today on Light on the Hill, we make this connection. Understand that the final Antichrist is going to follow the patterns of the ungodly kings that you learn about. And perhaps the most significant of those ungodly kings that he follows the pattern of is actually the Caesars that existed around the time of Christ and right after the time of Christ. But you're not gonna understand those patterns and the significance of any of that behavior as it relates to the final Antichrist until you understand the kings of the nation of Israel. That peace only comes from you I have found That joy only comes from you Cause all I need is We're so glad you could join us for Light on the Hill. Pastor James Cadiz will begin shortly. We're in the middle of an informative study entitled In the Volume of the Book, where Pastor James is bringing prophecy to light as we study through the entire Bible. What you're about to hear will help you better understand Bible prophecy overall. Pastor James likens it to the wax on, wax off training in the Karate Kid. As you get into more through first kings you see this type of thing happening like for example first kings chapter 14 it's revealed to us that the house of jeroboam would be destroyed because of jeroboam's sins against the lord god finally judged jeroboam right we saw that happening take a quick note through all of this first kings chapter 16 all throughout chapter 16 all throughout chapter 17 all throughout 18 all throughout chapter 20 right all through chapter 18 to 22, 26 through 30, 35 through 36, 42, all those verses in chapter 20 all speak about the same thing. Chapter 21, chapter 22, all throughout there give us an account of how many other prophecies were revealed and fulfilled quickly. God said, I'm going to destroy you for this. And within a, a few verses later, God destroyed them. God said, this is going to happen. And a few verses later, it took place. All throughout the book of Kings, you see that pattern begin to establish. Here's another, like some common ones that some of you guys might remember, right? Ahab and his people would suffer because he spared Ben-Hadad. You remember the story of Ben-Hadad and what exactly happened with him? Ahab, of course, if you remember, under the direction of his wicked and evil wife, killed the man for a field. If you remember that whole story, right? God makes a prophecy in 1 Kings chapter 21 where he tells Ahab that he would suffer the same fate. He would die in the same field that he killed that person. And eventually he did. The story of that is really interesting. That actually got fulfilled later on in 2 Chronicles. Jezebel was prophesied that she would be eaten by dogs. 1 Kings chapter 21 made that prophecy. That prophecy got fulfilled in 2 Kings chapter 9. The story of that death was, by the way, like gnarly. I mean, that, that death is like a gross story, right? Like that story, she gets pushed out the window, falls to her death, and then the, it, then the dogs just eat her up. It's gross, right? All of it was prophesied again and again and again, confirmed it. By the way, 
I want everybody to understand this. These were mostly prophecies in 1 Kings that related to the consequence of sinful action, right? And almost all of them were significant in that none of these prophecies, right, was the covenant with David that was canceled or annulled. Think about that for a second, right? So many of these prophecies bear that kind of significance. Now, this is kind of interesting because there is a few prophecies that you'll find in 1 Kings that don't relate to what we call the underlying current of the Davidic covenant, right? But they still have some relevance, right? Perhaps one of those is going to be uh, the story of King Jehoshaphat. Uh, if you remember that story, when King Jehoshaphat was with Ahab and they were wondering whether or not they should pursue a military conquest against uh, Ramoth Gilead, if you remember that story. And of course, in that, they go to a false prophet or a series of false prophets under Ahab who said, hey, my guys say that it's okay. And if you remember, Jehoshaphat was very distrusting of those prophets. So what did he do? He goes to a person named Micheah, who actually prophesied, no, y'all gonna die, right? You're gonna lose the war. You don't wanna do this. It's gonna be bad. And they went, to they went to battle and they were defeated and Ahab was actually killed, right? So kind of an interesting thing because even though that doesn't have the underlying, uh, you know, sort of current of the Davidic promise, right? It's still relevant in that what God's word says is true. And what we can learn from that is when God warns us, we better listen, right? You, look, when it comes to God's word, can I just tell you this right now? You don't want to mess around and find out, okay? You just don't because finding out's not pretty. It's not going to be pretty. And that's what it actually tells us. Of course, there's a, another prophecy in second Kings. This is an important one, by the way, that we should probably look at that relates to the death of Ahaziah. I'll just start naming these and give you some references because we don't have time to talk about them, right? But it's one that you should note. A prophecy regarding the death of Ahaziah. This is in 2 Kings chapter 1, starting at verse 4, and also talks about, again, things related to its fulfillment in verses 16 through 17, right? Elijah prophesied that Ahaziah would die because he sent men to consult with Beelzebub instead of the true God, Right? And later on in that chapter, we see the account of that death happening. Very interesting. Or 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, are a series of prophecies that were revealed relating to Elijah being taken up to heaven in the whirlwind, right? And also, there's an interesting thing that Elisha makes a request in that time that also gets fulfilled, where the Spirit of God was given to Elisha at a greater portion. All 2 Kings chapter 2, highly recommend on your own. You study it, please. This is the wax on, wax off stuff. Please listen to me, guys. This is going to help you better grasp Bible prophecy as a whole. All right? All right, you're going to write down a lot here because we're going to get into this because, again, we're running out of time and I, I want to give you the stuff that's relevant, right? 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 15 through 27. Elisha, not to be conflated with Elijah, Elisha predicted that the kings of Israel and Judah would be able to conquer the Moabites. They were instructed to make ditches, if you remember this, which the Lord would fill with water so that both men and animals could drink. And if you remember what happened with that story, it was literally fulfilled later on in that chapter, right? 
right at verse around 21, 22, somewhere around there. You see it go for the next few verses. God fulfills it perfectly. Or 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. And the fulfillment of that is actually in verses 38 through 44. This is the prophecy of the widow who had jars. If you remember that whole story of the oil and what God did through that in that very moment. By the way, please understand this. These are the ones that relate to the underlying current of the coming Messiah. You have to know these. If you don't know these, you're not going to get the implications that move us further and deeper into understanding Bible prophecy, okay? You have to know these. 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 through 19. This is the story of Naaman. I just remember reading this, by the way, to my daughters the other day. I'm reading the story of Naaman to my daughters in a kid's book. And I, Nicole always kind of gets a little like, come on, James, really? They're kids, right? But in the kid's book, when you start reading the story, I'm like, oh, baby, I know I just read this to you, but this isn't what really happened. Let me tell you the real story, you know? It's kind of funny. You know, you have to kind of correct them because I want my kids to know the right story, right? I want them to understand this stuff. I want to give my kids the advantage that I had. And I want to be able to teach my kids the Bible so they know it well. So by the time they get to that adult age, they're going to be able to make the connections like dad does, right? And, uh, you know, little I, you know, my little boy, he'll be teaching by the time he's four. I think four years old, four or five, he'll be sitting right here, but I'll hold him and he'll just, okay, everybody. No, I, I don't know. We'll see. So this is, this is a very important one, right? The healing of leprosy that's actually recorded and what he was instructed to do in the Jordan. By the way, the relationship of what Naaman was instructed to do in the Jordan carries major significance to what the Messiah does with people that he heals in that region. There is a pattern that's established by God, folks. Okay, understand that. I want you to know it. If you don't know it, you're going to have a hard time understanding it later and picking. People come to me all the time. They go, James, where do you pick this stuff out from? Like, how in the world do you make these connections? I'm giving you right here. This is the formula. This is how you bake the cookie. All right. This is the formula. This is how you make those connections. You get to understand it by knowing these things. Right. Second Kings chapter five, verses 19 through 27 where Elisha predicts concerning Gehazi. You remember that whole story, right? That was kind of an ugly one. Because if you remember, Gehazi took advantage of a particular situation and that did not look good for him. Very interesting story there. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23. When surrounded by the soldiers of Adam, if you remember that story, if you remember that, it's a very powerful story. Elisha was miraculously delivered because the army was blinded at that moment. If you remember, again, the power of God and the prophetic elements that are tied to that. And what's really cool is he ends up going to Samaria, right? And what happens there is like, do-do-do-do. If you're on the opposite side, you, you man, I, I would hate to be the enemy of Elisha in this day, right? It would not be good. So we learned a lot there. Second Kings chapter 7, verses 1 through 2. This is an important one because this deals with the time of famine in Israel when Elisha predicted the deliverance that would take place. And if you remember, Elisha was challenged by the king concerning this prophecy, right? And if you remember, Elisha goes to him and says, you know what? I can imagine being this king hearing this from Elisha. You're going to see it with your own eyes, but you're not going to experience the benefit of it. <laughs> that gets immediately fulfilled in verse 17. And the way that gets fulfilled is kind of, ooh, man, that hurts, right? 
2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 15, the seven-year famine that was to come in Israel, it was predicted. The first six verses predicts this, right? Elisha prophesied that Ben-Hadad, king of Adam, would recover from his illness, but that as a matter of fact, he would end up dying. Like, isn't that crazy? Like he beats his illness and then he dies. Who, who can even predict that? It's significant, guys. Believe me, when you want to understand the relationship that existed between the northern kingdom and what eventually would be the attacks on Assyria that dismantled the northern kingdom and the patterns that that established for the Samaritans during the time of Jesus, you have to know this stuff. I keep telling you this. You have to know it. You have to know it. I know we're going a little bit longer, but I want to give all this to you guys, okay? We're not going to be too much longer. How about this one? Very important, 2 Kings 9, 1 through 10. This is the prediction over Jehu being the king of Israel. 2 Kings 9, 14 through 28. The fulfillment of that very prophecy. 2 Kings 9, 30 through 37. The prophecy of Jezebel being killed. We talked about that. Remember I quoted that to you before? It was back with respect to the prophecy that was in 1 Kings chapter 21. Or... 1 Kings chapter 10, all throughout 1 Kings chapter 10, you will read about predictions concerning Ahab being fulfilled. The descendants of Jehu get discussed there. By the way, those descendants are important to know. you got to know this stuff. 2 Kings 13, Elisha predicted that Israel would defeat Adam three times. This gets fulfilled in one verse, by the way. Verse 25 of that chapter. 2 Kings 14, an unrecorded prophecy of Yonah that Yeroboam would possess the territory of Israel. It's funny how you think about prophets that we know that intersected one another and were contemporaries of one another, and we don't know when those prophecies were written. We don't know what was exactly said, but they're referred to in certain aspects of the Bible. You get that a lot. By the way, that was a very common thing. In the book of Jude, you actually see Enoch being referred to as a prophet, yet we don't have Enoch's writings, right? Interesting stuff there. You have to understand those relationships, okay? Or prophecies regarding Hezekiah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow through these quickly. I'm not even going to explain them, but you need to know these prophecies. 2 Kings chapter 19, uh, all throughout 2 Kings chapter 20. You need to know about these prophecies regarding Hezekiah. It is very important to understand the fact as they relate to Babylonian captivity. If you don't understand this very critical set of chapters, 2 Kings 19 and 20, you're going to have a hard time understanding everything else. Very, very important, right? Again, you're going to want to look at prophecies that are related to Yosea, uh, Yohaz, Jehoahaz, as many of you would call him, and Manasseh. They're all important kings, and you need to know those prophecies they all start in 2 Kings chapter 21, and they go all the way through the end of 2 Kings. When we get into 1 Chronicles, which by the way is kind of interesting, you basically see a repeat of a lot of what we've already talked about, so I don't have to go over the significant areas in 1 Chronicles. We immediately jump into 2 Chronicles, okay? So there are some areas in 2 Chronicles I want you to pay attention to. Number one, the battle with Edom, right? By the way, it's interesting. A little quote, uh, if any of you can give it to me. And this is a quiz, and I'm going to make you give me the passage, right? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves, right? 
What passage is it? Do you know how badly misquoted that passage is? National Day of Prayer, we put that on flyers. But people don't understand what the context of all of that was in Second Chronicles. The, the context was, our nation is dying because of famine. Lord, what in the world is going on? What is happening? And God says, it's happening that way because you forsook me. The context of this is Solomon dedicating the temple in essence, right? And basically saying, God, if we depart from you, then destroy us. This is what we deserve. But if in that time, God, we call upon your name, restore to us the land, give it to us. Second Chronicles is a reiteration of all of that, folks, right? Very important. I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to spend some time analyzing that. But again, we're running out of time. Very important. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Very important to go over these passages that relate to the battle with Edom. It is very, very important. If you do not grasp this, you are not going to understand the dynamics of King Jehoshaphat. And if you don't understand those dynamics, you're going to have a hard time figuring out what happens in the exilic period. You're going to have a hard time understanding everything related to Babylon and all the things that happened that eventually came with the loss of Israel's national identity. Okay? Very, very important. Second Chronicles chapter uh, 21 that deals with the prophecy of Elijah. Okay? Not Elisha. Elijah. Go to that. Go to that. It's very important. Okay? This relates to Jehoram who assumed the throne, but because of his wickedness, God's judgment was predicted upon him, right? By the way, Jehoram's family was taken off into captivity, which was the fulfillment of that prophecy. If you guys remember the story there, and that's also found in 2 Chronicles, I believe in the same chapter. And then there was a very important prophecy that relates to Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, okay? This is very important. I want you to look at this one. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 24. Very, very important because what you're going to learn was that Zechariah was stoned to death because of that message. And it has some very important implications to what we've been reading and talking about in Matthew, particularly in chapter 23, leading into 24. Very important stuff. Again, guys, all of these relate to the same principles that we're talking about. If you don't develop an understanding of these stories, you're not going to understand an overwhelming majority of where it all leads to, okay? I know this is a lot of information, okay? And by the way, I have proof I can show you if you'd like. I've probably gone over half of what I really wanted to go over, but because we're limited in time, I had to be very strategic about what I picked, and I had to really be careful about everything that we brought into play. But this is the story of First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. That's the story of it all. And knowing this, guys, is going to be so good for you because it builds and develops within you a foundation that very few people have in studying the Bible. I will also tell you this. I'll tell you something that I tell my Bible college students a lot. And it is like really, 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 really important for you guys to know, okay? If you will take the time to invest 
in the very tedious and difficult process of understanding all of these players and understanding who they are and getting to know their names and beginning to develop all of this stuff, you will become masters at being able to understand all the connective tissue of the prophecies that start before it and the prophecies that happen after. I will, I will tell you this right now, you will have a better grasp on this than most people around you, but the work to get you there is hard work, okay? It's very hard work, but I promise you it will be worth it. Uh, a tool that I can give you to aid you in this that will help you uh, be able to develop a better understanding of all of these things according to what the word says, um, Nelson's Complete Book of Bible Maps and Charts. Uh, that is a phenomenal tool. If you can get an older version, an older print version, uh, I would get that. There's still plenty of them that are available. Um, I would get it because that right there will carry as a reference tool that you will hold on to your whole Bible study careers, right? But it will fast track you in getting to understand who the kings are and understanding how they work in contemporaries of one another and how they kind of sit together. It is a great tool that will enable you to understand all of it, right? Especially once you know the kings, then you begin to know the prophets that served during the period of those kings. And then you begin to understand the you have the, the underlying foundation of uh, the judges that existed prior to the kings. And you begin to look at all the patterns established leading up to that time. You will very quickly understand every dynamic that followed after Babylon. And by the way, that really is important because if you don't know that stuff, if you struggle in all of those areas, then your knowledge of what happens to us in the current day as Bible prophecy gives it becomes very limited and very mitigated. Why? Because the Bible tells us about the spirit of Antichrist. The Bible tells us about the coming Antichrist who uh, is yet to come. Understand that the final Antichrist is going to follow the patterns of the ungodly kings that you learn about and perhaps the most significant of those ungodly kings that he follows the pattern of is actually the Caesars that existed around the time of Christ and right after the time of Christ. But you're not going to understand those patterns and the significance of any of that behavior as it relates to the final Antichrist until you understand the kings of the nation of Israel. Okay? Very important. Those of you that choose to do the work, as challenging as it might be, it's going to be life-changing for you, right? I promise you, it's going to be life-changing. And uh, look, quite frankly, I need a whole bunch of Bible experts in this church, right? I want all you people to be able to check everybody, including me, right? Why? Because I need you to know the Bible so well that when the fake comes around, you'll be able to identify it in a heartbeat, right? And this is important in this time and in this day in which we live where there's a lot of false prophets, a lot of false teaching, a lot of nonsense, a lot of garbage, you're not gonna get it unless you go down this pattern. You're just not. You've been listening to Pastor James Cadiz on Light on the Hill and part of our series in the volume of the book. We're going from Genesis to Revelation, emphasizing the many passages pertinent to Bible prophecy. You can access today's study and any part of the series you may have missed online at lightonthehillradio.com or listen to Pastor James through the Light on the Hill app. 
Are you enjoying Light on the Hill? Send us an email and let us know the station you listen to and what you're getting out of these programs. It means a lot and helps us see what God is doing through the radio and internet ministries. There's a place to contact us at our website, lightonthehillradio.com. If the Lord leads, we'd also appreciate your financial partnership. Each gift that comes in goes straight to the ministry, helping us to get the word of God out on stations and platforms like this one all across the country. Donate online at lightonthehillradio.com or give through the Light on the Hill app. Have you seen the live shows and daily videos that we release on social media? Many of them relate to Bible prophecy and help understand current events with a biblical worldview. You'll find them at jamescadiz.com. For many of you, Calvary Chapel Signal Hill is just a short drive away. We'd like to invite you to one of our services. We have a Thursday night study that begins at 7 p.m., three Sunday morning services at 8 a.m., 9.45 a.m., and 11.30 a.m., and then a Sunday evening service at 5 p.m. You can watch our live stream and get directions, as well as more information at calvarychapelsignalhill.com. Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we close. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you, Lord, for this time that we are together. Thank you for these amazing people who have gathered in your name. Thank you for the insight and the wisdom and the direction, Lord, that they continue to receive concerning the truth, recognizing, Lord, what's really going on, what's really happening. Lord, I pray that you would allow them to make these connections, Father. Help them to be able to see and know and understand what your word has to say concerning all these matters. And help us to be able to connect all of the biblically relevant topics that we would be able to know your word like we've never known it before. We love you, Father, and thank you. Go before us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Join us next time when Pastor James Cadiz will open the book of Ezra for us. Light on the Hill is presented by Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. I have found that peace only comes from you. I have found that joy only comes from you, cause all I need is